June 2024, you are listening to Living Proof, the cultural archive of real lives happening. Issue six of Living Proof magazine features graffiti writers Katsu and Camel, skateboarders Sean Powers and Tino Razo, rappers YL and Starker, and artists Nicole McLaughlin, Nate Lohman, Fei Weiwei, Tom Hardwick Allen, Ned Vina, and Tao Lin. Available now on our Patreon and online shop. Live Improve Magazine, Katsu Issue, June 2024. Los Angeles is known for its graffiti, but it's also known for its soaring cost of housing and transportation, homelessness and addiction. Even those that work two jobs sometimes can't make ends meet, and they depend on things like food banks to provide for their children and their families. Haler is a graffiti writer born and raised in Los Angeles, and we made patches of his two-letter throwy, and the proceeds are going to be going to the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank which is an organization that's been providing meals to the hungry since 1973, serving over 900,000 people in the L.A. area each month, primarily those of low-income, children, and the homeless. 97% of their revenue goes directly into providing food for these people that are shit out of luck or children born into conditions outside of their control. 100% of our Patreon profits for the month of September will be going to the L.A. Regional Food Bank and for Haler for helping us make this happen. All who donate via our Patreon will receive the Haler patch, as well as access to our members-only episode library. We got interviews from XSM, Les, Sean Crawford, Law29, and more. The link to our Patreon is in the description of this episode, our Instagram, and our website. For those of you who don't know what we're about and what we've been up to, in the last three months, we've donated 100% of our Patreon proceeds to Charlie, Hurt One, and most recently, Bat. We donated 5K to Bat to help him pay his legal fees that he otherwise would not have been able to do. And it's really nothing short of a blessing to be able to use this platform as a means for helping people in need who otherwise wouldn't get the help. We don't take it lightly. None of it will be possible with all those who signed up and donated over the past few months. And we just got to say immense thank you sincerely and peace to all of you. Enjoy the episode. All right, we're live, dude. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show, Cycle. It's a huge honor for us to have you here. And yeah, man, thank you. Um, well, thank you for inviting me. For much sure, man, 100%. Uh, I was lurking on your Instagram, and one thing that came up on my mind as soon as I lurked on it from all your old photos of from the subways to the photos at the banks and uh, all these like crazy stories and sh- shit like that was that um, the New York that you essentially came up in was a really totally different place from the New York that we're all living in right now. Um, well, like, how, how was it growing up? Because, you know, you hear all these stories from how it was, and, you know, you were essentially there for some of it. Well, um, it's definitely changed a lot. I'll definitely say that much. Uh, I actually grew up in Connecticut, but I'd been coming in out of the city all my life. My dad had season tickets to the Mets games all growing up so we'd come down for the uh for the games and i'd also hop the uh metro north trains into the city to skate Mm -hmm. um i mean pretty much what you've probably heard before it's pretty much true it was a lot more raw back then uh it was dirtier uh a whole lot more fun giuliani definitely fucked shit up i mean I remember pre-Giuliani and then post-Giuliani, and post-Giuliani things got a lot more difficult and less 
less fun almost just because the uh the cost of doing things mm. was more you know mm -hmm. the whole like you're getting put through the system for anything the whole broken windows theory mm -hmm. where you know you get caught with an open container you're going right through the system you get you know caught taking a tag through the system before that things were you know a little bit more loose and wild you know cops would be like just get the fuck out of here mm -hmm. um you know i remember when you know avenue a b and c were really dangerous now it's like miami beach down there uh you know i remember when they were still it was still kind of an open-air drug market you could still buy fucking drugs right on the corner of a um you know it, it you know williamsburg was a whole different story it, it was you know McLaren Park pool was abandoned, you know, holes in the fence, you'd go in there and we'd go in there and paint and drink beers, smoke some weed and, you know, the uh, factories at the waterfront, you know, they got all nice hotels there and at that point people would be stripping cars down there. So I kind of caught the tail end of it. Um, Chino BYI gave me a compliment once saying I kind of caught you know, my career kind of caught the tail end of what old New York was like, and I always thought that was a really nice compliment that I, you know, he paid me, that I did get to see some, you know, some of what it was. Uh, the graffiti on the walls, everything was layered, you know. It, you didn't really have the buff going on, so you could walk down the street and see literally layers and layers of history. Um, you know, a whole lot of characters, too, walking around. It seems like now, after Giuliani and um, after Bloomberg, you know, it's it's lost a lot of its original flavor in some ways. You know, Bloomberg opened it up to, like, you know, now there's Starbucks and Targets and stuff like that, when before it was, like, small independent stores, you know, you... You wanted a cup of coffee, you go into the neighborhood bodega, you know, you, you needed to get something. There were the dollar stores, you know, places. That it, it wasn't, um, you had a lot, a lot of original flavor around that you just, I don't think it's kind of left the city in some ways. Yeah, I've noticed, like, because we've had, you know, a few writers on the show from that era or, you know, musicians and stuff. And, for example, like LES or um, RD, you know, when you speak to these people and you hear their stories and experiences from back in those days, it's it's like they're built from a different type of cloth, you know what I mean? Like, do you feel that growing, seeing these experiences and being a part of that, that um, it's shaped in a way how you view the world nowadays since it's changed? Or you tend to kind of, like, numb that part out and just drift towards the modern age in a way? Um, it definitely shapes you, the way you came up and what you've seen and how what you had to go through. I definitely think, you know, shapes how you look at things. And, um, you know, part of it's the way I came up and also part of it's, you know, age. Um, the way, you know, back then, you know, things are kind of blown out a lot right now. You know, it's so easy to find information on anything. You know, you got Instagram, you got Facebook, you know, 
you can Google it. There, there's websites. It's, it's, it's like anything you want to know about, you can find out about, you know, almost instantaneously. It's all really easy to access. And when I was coming up, it wasn't like that. You know, it, it was, you had to meet somebody or be shown something. You kind of had to be escorted into things by the people that knew or had the knowledge or wanted to bring you around or that kind of thing. So I think coming up, you had to, you know, people use the term paying dues, but I definitely think that does apply. Um, you know, I mean, now it seems like you can just, if you want to do something, it's you sit down and you can Google whatever it is. You can Google what I need to buy and what the proper shoes I need are and uh, what the proper product to have and, you know, whether it's paint or skateboard wheels or whatever, it's, it's just, you know, you can go from beginner to looking like you know what you're doing, you know, with a... Very quickly. Very quickly, you know, all you need is a... Like, I'm assuming, before YouTube era, before it was, like, all this Instagram stuff, it was, like, um, even when I, like, started skating, it was, like, to to see a video of people skating, you'd essentially have to buy the, the full length that they worked so yeah. hard on, and then you'd see what they wear, and then you see the spots they're skating, and then you see, like, what kind of skating they're doing, like... Whereas opposed to now, if you start skating, like you don't have to wait until like let's say a DVS or like an America or whatever comes out with the videos, you could just go on Instagram and you will literally see what happens on a, on a day to day basis. And like for me and my experience, it's kind of like numbed a lot of things to me. Like it numbs my appreciation because you see it so much and you see it uh, in particular skating right now or even graph or anything. It's like you see it at such a high level. It's stimulus overload. It's, stimulus it's like overload. I I I I it. I'm kind of the same way. It's like I I got to shut it off at some point because mm -hmm. it's like it gets almost confusing, like, you know, who's really doing what? Because, you know, you, you've seen like a little clip. Are these people really, are they doing it in their backyard or are they going to go out and, you know, are they doing it in the city or, or, or you know, we're, you know, once again, paying dues. Are, are, can you just go film like a video part in your backyard now and then you're, instantaneously somebody it, it's the 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 feeling of discovery i think has disappeared a lot it's um i remember coming into the city and would literally have to walk you know walk around look at the blocks and see the names and go what's down this alley what's around the back of this building and the same with you know skating we'd have to search out the spots it, it, it uh you know now it's i think it's almost given away too easily where it I think you lose some of the character and charm um and like that uh, knowledge that you gain through searching it out in real life for yourself is something that like uh when you discover something like oh like this is the shoe or like this is the sole they use or like this is the cap they use it's like something that uh you kind of for lack of a better term like you worked for to get that like little knowledge so, like, the person that you become in that little scene, like, uh, or in that little subculture, like, all your knowledge of uh, how, a, how a skater dresses or, like, um, or that this person skates like this or pushes like that or did that at this spot, it was, like, earned. So, 
like your cumul your uh, cumulative knowledge in your mind it's like it's like uh something that was almost like a treasure for you whereas opposed to now it's like legitimately like you do not have to like you, like you said you can know everything so quickly and it's so funny because like now that you can do that uh i've talked to like uh some of my friends who skate who are like super young uh, like way younger than i am and i'm like yeah you ever seen like uh america stay gold and I swear to God, one of them was like, what's that? And he's like a legitimate skateboarder. Like, yeah. he literally actually loves it. Never mind shit like like the old, old, old skateboarding or like any of the old... No, the videos, videos that you're, you're talking about, we used to live with those for a while yeah. and watch it over and over and over mm -hmm. again and watch people's parts and dissect them and rewind and just watch it over and over. Things seem so um, uh, uh, temporary now or disposable. You know, you watch a clip on Instagram... And it's gone, and maybe you can go back to that guy's page and go through like fifteen gazillion other posts to find that one clip or that one trick you want. But you know, it's gone and forgot about. You know, it's it seems so disposable now. And yeah. well, before it's like, and it also kind of certain videos also kind of marked like a time. Mm. They were like a snapshot of a time mm -hmm. in my life or what was going on. I I don't know if. That makes any sense to no, you? But I like, sometimes I'll hear I, a song and it'll just remind me of like a certain skate video, who I used to skate with at the time, what we used to do, like where were, where was it that we watched that shit? And I can't remember a single Instagram clip that has stood out right. like that in the past, like I don't know months. And I know for a fact I've seen some crazy skating on Instagram in in these past few months, but I don't remember any of them. Right. You like I can't remember any of them, but like. Even just from those full lengths, like, I remember, uh, like, Circa came out with, like, It's Time, and that was one of the first videos I ever saw, and, like, I remember every song, like, how they edited certain tricks with the beat, or, like, just stuff that now just flies right past your head, and it, yeah. and it really blows, because it's like, can we ever get back to that state of purity that we were once in, where, like, everything meant so much to us? Can we get back to it? With the internet, like, I don't even see how it's possible, unless we purposely, like, you know what I mean, stop. I don't know. That's. I mean, I'm sure there's some sort of new level of purity out there that I'm just not tapped into. A friend of mine, I was, you know, my age that, you know, he, he does music and this must have been about two years back now. We were sitting in a bar talking about like kind of being the, the grumpy old man guy. Oh, remember this and remember that. But he said, he said something to me that I thought was very interesting. He goes, you got to remember, there's kids right now who this New York right now, as much as we're complaining about this changing and that changing and this not being the same, there's kids right now, you know, young kids right now, that this is the New York they're going to remember. And in 20 years, 30 years, whatever, they're going to be the ground you know, the grouchy old dudes at the bar going, remember when, and, you know, the underground scene that we were involved with is, is it's over now and done, and, you know, now kids these days, ah, you know, so as I'm sitting here talking about what I was in tune with, there's some kids out there doing some shit right now that I'm just not in touch with because I'm not where they go or, or listen to their music or... or you know, not of their age. What do you think that, that accessibility that the internet has given us, what do you think that does to something like graffiti? The scene itself and the people who get into it. What does it do? 
I want to say at a certain point it kind of became too bloated. It's, I think, graffiti, you know, unlike skateboarding where it's kind of good to kind of see what other people are doing, when you have something like graffiti that has a illegal element attached to it, giving away too much kind of gets to become dangerous. You know, uh, people having too much access to things, knowing where spots are. Um, I just feel it was kind of better when things were kept, you know, more secret, more low profile, you know. You know, um, it's not the graffiti I, I came up on or, or, you know, yeah, it's, it doesn't, something about it just doesn't quite feel right. Once again, that kind of like that moment of discovery when you go out and actually see something for the first time. Um, you know, I remember walking around corners and seeing a piece or something for the very first time and being blown away by it because there it is in front of you and it's this big and it's not like this big. It's like, you know, oh shit, you know, you know, the amount of graffiti that I see now that's this big versus this big is, you know, a gazillion this big and 10 this big. I mean, I don't know if that's making any sense, but you're experiencing it more through, you know, whatever this is, like two inches by three inch screen. No, I, d I definitely understand what you're saying. Like, I agree with uh, Angel mentioned this earlier, become like a certain level of numbness to it because I remember there, um, somebody posted uh, this roller actually in Queensboro with Forte and Pear. They took up the whole walls, probably like 20 foot high letters, right? And I seen it on Instagram first. And I was like, oh, that's sick. You know, like, you're talking about Queens Plaza? Queensboro that, Plaza. Yeah. There, yeah. That and then I, it's pretty booming. Yeah. And I seen it in person. And I could imagine if I was a kid and I didn't know I didn't have social media and it just my sense of adventure finding these spots in the moment, I would have been like, dude, I would have been breaking my neck, tripping over people, chasing it, you know, chasing the windows just to get a full glimpse of it, you know, yeah. to experience it all I could. But like, for some reason, when I did see that, I was like, oh shit, that's where that is. And then like, you yeah. know what I mean? I already, I already soaked in that excitement through an Instagram post, which wasn't everything you know what i mean well also with that instagram post if you're talking about you know that what what you're talking about is you don't see how and where it was done and the conditions somebody did it under now if you're familiar with queen's plaza you know what goes on there and that was kind of parallel to the station you wonder like what time they did that or if somebody's sitting on the bench like at two in the morning and they see someone across the street like you know this or you know somebody walking down the street or something like that you know you can tell from the instagram post like you i saw it on instagram before i actually saw it in person um you know and they don't have that like kind of like oh yo that's fucking crazy <laughs> they pulled that off you know it's like on the sidewalk walk around like how did they get up on the building you know it's it's, it's almost like, like uh, viewing a piece of art in person versus uh mm -hmm. online like if you see uh, like a like a van gogh in person in my opinion it has more of an effect on you than if you see it just online and it's actually funny you guys talk about that spot in queensboro queensboro plaza because i actually saw that only 
in person the first time. And I straight up uh, like broke my neck when I saw it because um, I take that route every day. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I'm just like, you know, going about my day and then I just I just roll directly right past it. And I was like, damn. But I haven't done that for a spot or any type of graffiti in a while because I see it all online first. But more so than just like the accessibility of seeing it online. You know, you talk about how um, pre the Trump development, it was like below 72nd Street was just a straight up wasteland. And oh, you know, yeah, I've seen a lot of photos of just straight barren wasteland. That, like you would think it was a like someone just threw a nuclear bomb in that shit. And and like, what do you think graph coming up in a in that like state of city? Like, what do you think that becomes as opposed to graph coming up and what it is now where it's like, I could walk around the LES or pretty much anywhere below 72nd Street with a ring on every finger wearing like an all white Nike suit at, at one in the morning or at, at, you know, super late at night, any given day. And the chances of something of someone robbing me are pretty low. You know what I mean? Whereas then I know it, I know it was not like that. Like if you just wore a, like a good polo piece, you'd have to be ready to... So. No, at that time, you know, I think Kat mentioned something about that, that like at that time I always carried something with me. You know, you knew that could be, uh, you know, things could happen mm-hmm. um, and they did. And I would carry different things with me at different times. Um, it, w- it was definitely a lot. It was more dangerous. Um what do you think that does to like the development of uh, of someone who's down to start writing? Because I I could be a straight up clown and be down to start writing now because uh, well there like, there are a whole lot of <laughs> yeah, yeah. clowns writing now yeah um, I, almost on some like back then it was almost like a Darwinian world like if you wrote and you were out in like these neighborhoods at night like you're not just a uh, like you're somewhat live because you essentially have to be. You're not just a, like a complete fool on your phone walking on the street, not even looking in front of you. Because if you are, you're legitimately putting yourself in danger. You know what I mean? You you got tested. There was definitely times I was places that I, that I was like nervous, and like like I'm kind of out of my element here. I better be real careful how and where I step because I don't want to bring too much attention to myself. Um, But that was also kind of fun, too, because it got the adrenaline going, you know, and once again, having to go explore to find things rather than to see it like on a computer screen or something like that. Um, You know, you were talking about below 72nd Street, you know, where the Freedom Tunnels were and what it looked like back then. And it's kind of like what I was mentioning before the the waterfront in Williamsburg, you know, the burnt out cars that the, they were stripped, broken glass, um, bombs hanging out. Just you know, you go to you go to do some like legal wall now, and it's just like people are stopping and taking pictures, and it's you know, it's like an event. But, well, before it used to be a game of survival, maybe, you know. Um. Well, something that, that is to be noted, I think, that should be like paid attention to is the fact that uh, 
from this time period that we're talking about that almost seems like to to us like to me and uh someone who you know didn't grow up in that time period is like a mystical time period like almost like just the stuff of legends you see from like you look at the graffiti writers that came out of there and it's just like people like uh you know like like ecstasy uh ykk like um you know like the jays the vfrs you look at like the the like hardcore punk scene that came out of there and it's like Chrome mags you know like a gorilla biscuits just like high level you look at uh, the rap that came out of there and it's like big l's Nas's, mob deeps but then you look at what's coming out of it now when uh, the environment has not placed the pressures that it put on those kind of people back then and like of course we do have writers uh bands and whatever that, but are they on the same level as like the ones that i just stated i don't know i don't think they are personally um like i guess the ones that came out of that era are like almost like timeless right um they're straight up like timeless and like they capture like you said like a feel of the time period like i feel like if i listen to mob deep i'm like listening to a feel of that time period sure. or if i listen to like john joseph screaming the chromags i'm like thinking about like what it is to live in a in a burnt out building in, in alphabet city whereas now it's like don't get me wrong we have uh, rappers coming out of New York. We have good graffiti writers coming out of New York. Uh, one thing we do not have is uh, out of Manhattan, Brooklyn, or really the Bronx, any like notable like hardcore punk bands that I know of. Huh. But okay. um, I don't know. I just think that like uh, these scenes that are essentially scenes of like uh, they they come out of like a kind of like a you're not you're not very like happy. You don't write something like like survival the fittest like Mob Deep. If you're just living in like a Disneyland, because why right. would you write that? That's right. not what you're feeling. You don't write something like uh, like Survival of the Streets uh, by uh, Chromax if you're just everything is chilling and you can just walk around Alphabet City with a gold ring on every finger. You know what I mean? But yeah. now it's like, what is that? Like it's. I'm not saying that I would like things to go back to shit just so we can have good art, but I'm just saying that I think that that is causing a, a decrease in the arts. Yeah, you know. It's like a diamond. The pressure creates the diamond. Uh, those are definitely snapshots of that time. It, you know, as I was mentioning before, there's probably stuff going on right now that I'm just not in tune to that maybe, you know, kids are communicating on a different level and maybe there is something of that intensity out there that I'm just not familiar with. But... You know, I I don't know. They're, that you're talking. Okay, so you guys are younger than me. What do you guys find interesting about? You know what you named. What what? I mean, I know why I like an Eric being a rock him. You mm -hmm. know, I know why I like. You know, you mentioned Vfer. I know why I like Vfer. Mentioned Chromax. What is it? for you guys that attracted you toward to that you know yeah these are who you know some of what you mentioned is more of my time frame in life and i'm guessing you guys are maybe 15 20 years younger than me or so you know um why why were you attracted to something like that and how do you feel that and how do you feel compared to what you're seeing now with current music in, in my opinion, it's like, um, 
I feel like things back then weren't so commercialized. I feel like people were doing things like these subcultures out of a sense of true, like genuine emotion and like, you know, like he was talking about like the struggle and like real life situations. You know what I mean? Nowadays, I feel like there's an overstimulation of everything. For example, I look at like my my younger niece. You know, she's 13 years old. I notice like when we have family dinners and stuff, she's. It's almost as if these kids are not, they're like bored with the world, if that makes sense. Because on their phone, they, they have access to every single thing that has ever happened and is happening that is so exciting. More exciting than them like going downstairs and sitting down with their family, if that makes sense at all. Like these like um, TikTok videos and people doing extreme things. Like I feel like I didn't have access to a lot of that at her age. I'm still young, but still could imagine even at a at that generation, you know, like people didn't really they had to go out going back to what we were talking about, like a sense of adventure and finding these things out and like you said, pay your dues and like finding you know, I think at that age she's at it's crazy to say, it's like she's already experienced what the world is about. If I don't know. Like she's seen it all, if that makes sense. Well she's seen it all through a computer through a phone. Screen. That's that's yeah. why there's so much depression going on because in little kids because they don't truly experience these things in real life situations they just see it happening you know or maybe their view of it is skewed yeah, because of the way is. they're they're interacting with it it's very interesting yeah for, for me it was like uh this that like the time period that, that essentially you came up in where with all those uh like artists that i just named and rambled on about was like when I started discovering all that stuff and it, I discovered it obviously like online or on CDs or in magazines or in interviews, but I discovered it all indirectly. I didn't see it like uh, in person because it was just years before uh, my time. It seemed like the realest uh, thing to me in terms of like uh, purity, like it seemed like uh, something that you gained a lot from intrinsically and very little from uh like materially maybe um of course like the most successful of these artists like ended up making it like for example like a kr or um or like you know prodigy from mob deep eventually made a ton of money same thing with uh, like all like all the ones that make success but always almost always their best albums their best art and their best work is in the beginning before they have all that shit before yeah. they have all the money so at the, when when they were doing it and like the way that they're like legitimately talented artists. The way that they like change their voice or will mend their voice to a certain beat will make you feel their their straight up like emotion and and their pain or their joy or like their struggle just through a few simple words. And like uh, when I when I stumbled upon this, I was essentially like the only kid in my little group at the time who like was finding out about all this, and I felt like I was finding about like a whole world where all these things were like almost interconnected and I'm like, this is super real. Um, whereas like, like I was saying, even just from like their style of clothing, like the style of clothing, like the punks would wear the style of clothing, like the, the rappers from there. Like I could, I could watch like a, like the, like survival of the fittest music video on YouTube right now. And like all of them standing in front of like that burnt out building, it's powerful image. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. some historic shit and they're all wearing like, what they're wearing which nobody today really wears the same exact style of like how they're doing it because it's just a, ta a past time period and for some reason that sticks out to me more than like uh not only current which is like trap and like mumble rap but like <laughs> also like even just like a and it's no diss but like like 50 cent or like uh like lloyd banks like 
they're good don't get me wrong like they've come out with good stuff in my opinion but not like i don't know not like the queensbridge rap or like stuff from from brooklyn back then or like even some of fat joe's old stuff it's like i don't know you, you i feel like you can't recreate or even like uh you can't like even i don't know it's not the same as uh what is available now so it's it's really cool for me to like sit in front of like someone who came up writing graffiti and skateboarding in that time period and like hear uh what you think about all this stuff you know what i mean i there's there's not too much new music that i'm really excited about to be honest with you um you know it's kind of hard after being interested in some stuff for so long that the sense of discovery kind of disappears a little bit um you know, you want to, it still interests you and you still want to be part of it. But I just remember, I remember being younger with both the graffiti and the skateboarding, just 24-7, just completely absorbed in it. But after being involved with it so long, it's kind of like, I feel like I have the ability or maybe permission to step in and out of it as I want to now where I don't feel I need to have it with me 24-7-365 as I did before um, I'm not sure if I'm explaining that right yeah no no I, I, I get what you're saying it's making me think like uh, there are some there are some photos from like the 90s of you straight up like in Thrasher magazine, like popping a pretty, pretty boned ollie over some like something that's not easy to ollie over, or uh, also like old images of you doing pieces in SF with people like Rhyme and just like, you know, pa- painting with like a, just like a bunch of of well known writers and also skating with a bunch of well known writers. There's that photo of like Jamal Smith skating the banks and you have like the 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 piece behind it. And, like, were you able to stay amped on both things simultaneously? Because I've always found that super hard in my life to stay amped on, on two things 100% on both. Like, I found yeah, it no, no, I, 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 yes, I, I actually was. And I think one allowed me, I could jump back and forth between the two, which allowed me to actually stay amped on them because graffiti is a pretty intense activity there's a lot of you know uh there's a lot of negativity wrapped up into it you know fights uh people robbing each other cops arrests central booking so there's a lot of negative intensity wrapped up in that activity And what I liked about skating is I was able to walk away from that and be around this other group of people and this other activity that I was very much involved in and put that energy somewhere else and then go back and, you know, deal with the graffiti again and be involved with that. I I wasn't, I didn't necessarily burn out on it. I I had an escape. And, like, 
if I wanted to be around like a more positive thing, you know, I'd go over and hang out with skateboarding and I could put graffiti to the side and I don't want to deal with the problems and the beef and all that. I'm going to go hang out with my friends over here and we're going to go skate and drink some beers and, you know, enjoy something, you know. But then when I wanted it to be like, yo, let me go out and do my thing and get fame and paint a lot, I'd go back over do the graffiti and be involved in in that scene so uh the skating really gave me like a an out from you know becoming too negative with the graffiti and maybe destroying myself with it um but yeah i mean i had groups of friends in both worlds so i would definitely say i was pretty stoked on both of them at all times some points in my life more or less but um you know i you know i i was always about both of them so i know in 2006 you had like that that little run-in with the law and a bunch of court cases and like you had to stop and question um as to like why is it that you're writing do you still have to should you even still be writing uh are you just gonna like continuously get into more trouble with the law uh, what was the extent to, like, the trouble with the law that you got because of graffiti? Because obviously you've been writing for a very long time, and I know of, of very few writers who have written for a long time, especially writers who have actually, you know, went hard and have not uh, experienced something something uh, pretty, pretty like, notable with the law. So, yeah, what was, what was your experience with it? Uh, I kind of uh, caught it. My- I kind of did a three strikes, I'm out kind of thing. I was going hard for a long time. I had two or three, four, maybe five little arrests here or there, you know, get community service, that kind of thing. Nothing major, but as I kept going, get more and more well-known and do more, you become a larger target. And... um, I ended up having my last court, really major court case. I had one court case where Vandal Squad picked me up in front of my house, followed maybe a year or two later by them actually raiding my apartment, and then uh, probably another year or two later actually getting bagged up by them in a freight yard. So, and this was all in Queens, so I had an ADA, um, an associate district attorney, uh, take a, uh, you know, he didn't like me very much. Uh, and so my name was flagged. So every time I got arrested, I was put in front of this guy. And the last case I had, which was when I got bagged up in the freight yard, um, they were they wanted to actually really put the screws on me. They wanted to, I was, I think at that point, facing two to four years. Just for graffiti? Just for graffiti. And um, the ADA, he walked into the courtroom and he had uh, interns go out and do all the research they could on me. So he walked into the uh, courtroom with a stack of books and magazines and printouts from the computer, like my whole career that he had his interns find, drop it on the judge's 
desk and just be like, and was basically like, this is this guy, you know, this is, this is who we got here, you know, and they, he just wanted to shut me down ever so bad. And it, the case went on for about a year and a half and I had an amazing lawyer. Um, her name's Stacy Richmond. Uh, plug, plug, if anybody gets in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and she was able to uh, basically work a miracle and pull me out of that. And at that time, I kind of had to be like, um, I got to take a look at this. You know, it's if I keep going back to what I was doing and going hard, you know, things are going to go a different way or I can just lean back and chill a little bit, start exploring some other interests, start working on my fine art, um, maybe spending less time in train tunnels. Um, you know, I, f I felt like one more big arrest like that after that one, I kind of used up my last get out of jail mm -hmm. card. And if I caught another big case like that, I'm, I, you know, I don't want to, not really interested in going and sitting in Rikers for any uh, extended period of time. So I kind of was like, you know what? Um, let me let me chill a little bit and you know see see where things go from there. Uh, so I've just been keeping it a lot more low key about you know going out and doing things since then, just being very more selective and. Um, you know, I just really don't want to, as I said, I think, it, I, you know, I had my uh, get out of free, last get out of free jail card was used on that one. So I want to kind of avoid any more problems, definitely in Queens and hopefully in New York City. At, at the time of all those court cases, did you ever think of like switching up your name or the letters or the style? Because it's a thing in graph where like, if someone has a consecutive, uh, you know, arrests, they end up like changing it up so they're not really onto them, or were you just really dedicated? You didn't really care. Well, I had aliases. I I've, I had aliases that I used. Um, the when they picked me up in front of the apartment, they kind of knew who I was at that point. So that you know. Uh, then they were in the. Then they were actually in my apartment. Obviously, they knew who I was. The one time, the last time is the one they caught me in action, which was the really, kind of like the icing on the cake. Because there I was in a freight yard with the paint, everything got raided. It was. There was kind of like. It was kind of hard to deny that one. Um, even if I was rocking some sort of alias or something, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, no, guys, it was the other guy, the other guy that looked just like me. Um, yeah, it's pre it's pretty interesting. Like uh, a lot of writers will say the exact same thing. Um, once they reach like that that age where you're not particular, like where you're not usually just out bombing every night and out doing that thing, there are some exceptions. But most of the people we've talked to who are who are at that age, like. They kind of say the same thing, like that uh, even if they do love it, like they try to avoid it. Um, 
some of them say like where they're going out of their way to not paint even though it's hard uh claw which was one of our first episodes says something along the lines of like that you can't live a balanced lifestyle and uh be an actual like straight up a real writer uh like you just can't like it yeah. will it will you know spill into every area of your life you and it comes with other things that just like it's very hard to take the one and not the other uh very few people can do it and that's why like she doesn't really paint like that anymore and like just like it's always like a it's it's kind of like a pattern everyone has having a similar experience with their realizations as they grow older when it comes to graph you know because at the end of the day like what are you supposed to do just for the sake of having your name up just be out every single night uh especially like with how it is now with like this 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 race to who can get uh that instagram account to take a photo of their stuff first and who can like everyone's like competing and like the hashtag is their little point system of like oh like i have these points like uh 500 look oh well i have 700 and it's like that's some shit that is not for once you're like grown you know that's that's my opinion no i th- and i think that's a correct opinion to have you know if you're going to do graffiti and you're going to go all the way with it and really really be about it and really want to live that life you're probably going to get shut down at some point either by because of legal problems or just the fucking adult world catching up with you you know um I'm sure, I know I have, and I'm sure you've seen some people that have just never matured and moved on to the next stage of life. You know, you don't want to be that 50-year-old guy hanging out with 20-year-old kids on the corner, you know, still trying to live that life. It's, you know, that's not a, that's not a good look. It's like, you know, do it and as best you can for as long as you can, and then eventually, you know, time takes over and as i said you you either have to graduate to the adult life or you get shut down i basically went as far as i could to have these court cases got shut down pretty hard had to kind of reevaluate things and find where i can enjoy this activity in my life without having it destroy everything else i've worked for in my life mm. you know my relationship, my 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 studio stuff, you know, because it's like the way I look at it is it's it's um, it's cost risk analysis. Okay, you know I know how much time went into the last court case I had, bail, money for the lawyer, and you know right now. It's like the time, I'd hate to lose that time in my life right now, a year and a half of every month going back to court and sitting there and going through all that. That would really suck. Um, The money put forward to court costs and everything else that I had to pay, lawyer fees and everything, that's money that goes to pay, you know, for a studio for me right now. I'd probably lose my studio. My girl would be tripping on the whole scenario. Um, It's just like... All that for a thrill, you know, for a good time, so I can show off for a bunch of other people, you know. Yeah, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. I, I, 
I kind of checked all my boxes. There's one thing left that I want to do that I never got to do. And, I, you know, someday I hope to still get to do that. Um, but I pretty much checked all my boxes and it's like, you know, of everything I wanted to do. And it's like, you know, if I did it, how many times do you want to keep doing it again till it becomes a, a positive turns to a negative do you follow what i'm saying no I, I know what you're saying and something that i'm thinking of is like essentially like uh if you look at the people who are the best in their thing are like the most uh memorable the people who are like the champions in their field those people usually sacrifice everything for that thing so for example like I don't know much about basketball, but I can assume that like a Michael Jordan spent a lot of time on the court thinking about basketball, watching basketball videos, yeah. examining plays, blah, blah, blah. I know like Floyd Mayweather is notoriously known for just training harder and more than anybody else. Uh, if you're going to be a surgeon, you have to literally live only as a surgeon. Like you're not a surgeon. And then when you go home, you're like, actually, I, I play baseball too. Like, comp- like good. You're going to be a good surgeon and like a very mediocre everything else most of the time. The problem with graffiti is like to be a good graffiti writer, like as opposed to surgeon and basketball players, like graffiti does not pay money. So like you have to do something else to be able right. to live, but you're also trying to be like the champion in graffiti. And then along with the fact that it doesn't pay anything, it literally will get you arrested and take away from like your ability to make money, right. which is like what is feeding you. So it's like I have... Honestly, nothing but respect for the people who continue on because they're doing it. They're sacrificing so much for something that's just purely like an intrinsic joy. So there's so much purity in that. But I, I don't. I also don't like point the finger and shun those who stop because I can completely see where they're coming from as well. You know what I mean? It's 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 a balancing act. You know it it um. For a whole lot of years, I would have to paint weekly. You know, that I just was like, I didn't feel like a, I accomplished anything unless I went out and did a spot or did a piece or did something. It was literally a kind of a weekly thing for me. Um, and, you know, that's a whole lot of time, like you said, to put towards something that I don't know it's it's kind of strange because it's like I got a lot out of it but it also in some ways took a lot out of me and you know I don't want to say I'm done and over it because I still go and like to do pieces and you know do stuff on the under but I also know at this point in my life and career, I also got to be very careful that I don't want to do something to hurt myself and hurt my future. It's you know, and it's like. It's kind of odd, too, where it's like, if you're a musician, you get well-known for being a musician. You can keep playing music as long <laughs> as you're physically yeah. capable of it, you know? Um, 
you're a basketball player, you're going to play as long as you can. And even if you retire from the pro leagues, I'm sure you're going to go out and, you know, shoot baskets, you know, with your friends or something like that. You become a large graffiti writer, you're forced to stop, you know? It's not like, it's like, well, what do I do with myself and my time and my interests now? Yeah, there's that quote, like, there is no finish line, but it's like, the finish line is when is when they come and force, like, a f- force a finish line. Yeah. I had to kind Like, of, make your life so ass if you continue that, like, there's the finish line. I I always, when, when I was young, I was like, oh, yeah, eventually, you know, I'll grow out of it, or I'll come a time that, like, you know, oh, I don't need this anymore, or I'm just going to chill. And that never really came. <laughs> I pretty much had to get shut down. I probably, if I didn't have that bad uh, patch of court cases within a couple year period, I probably would still be going as hard as I could right now. But that's you know the way things went, and um, you know it's just you put so much time and energy into becoming good at something and the best you can at something, only to be forced to stop which was a really odd thing to uh, to think about. I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. One of the arrests I had w- w- with the Vandal Squad, they told me something really interesting. And, um, you know, I'll... Uh, whether this is true or not, I don't know. You know, maybe they were blowing smoke up my ass or, or trying to butter me up to be cool with me hoping they could you know get some information out of me but they said to me that they 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 go to me you know you're not the guy out there doing the most damage right now you're not the guy out there killing it the most but you're just too damn good at what you do that you're inspiring kids to go do this in copycats so we have to shut you down Hmm. and i mean whether they really meant that or not or they were just trying to be cool with me to get me talking about stuff you know, I don't know, but that, I always thought that was the oddest backhand compliment mm-hmm. that you're too good at what you do, you're inspiring too many people, so we have to shut you down. And, you know, you walk away thinking about that, going, well, fuck, <laughs> what do I do with my time now? Um, you know, I'm trying to focus all that towards my studio work mm-hmm. and, 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 you know... Well, yeah, I mean, you, you've been doing graffiti for, for so long. You started running 89, right? Yeah. 89 and, and up until essentially 2006, and you reminisce all the time on Instagram about crazy stories, all the photos that you have, um, you know, back then, as it is now, but nowhere near now as it, as it was back then. Like, it was a practice to document. It was a practice to be taking photos of your stuff and other people's stuff. Uh, whereas now, I think the average writer does not really do that as much. But um, anyways, you've seen so much stuff. I was saw on your Instagram that uh, you saw someone connect a TV yeah. using the third rail yes. with a coat hanger or something like that. It, yes, it, it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, uh, yeah. Like the workable TV in a in a subway tunnel. What they do? They just like took the coat hanger and like even, made it touch the third rail. I don't even really know. I didn't want to poke around too yeah, much because it was like, I'm like I'm gonna touch something and electrocuting myself. But there was an an older TV and then a smaller TV on top of it, 
and it was just like you clicked it on and, and it turned I, I was I was painting with Smith and it was kind of like a bum's nest around there was all these cats down there too that I'm just like uh, this was on the Brooklyn side by uh, 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 the Manhattan Bridge uh, Dumbo uh, long long time ago and once again older New York before Dumbo is kind of fancy now but um it was uh, Manhattan Bridge, uh, Brooklyn side. We're down in there, and there's a bunch of cats walking around. I'm like, what the fuck are cats doing this deep in, in the tunnel? And they were all like matted hair and just dirty. I'm just like, oh, these poor animals. What are they, you know, cave cats? And we come on this up on this bum's nest, you know, like... They made like a little fucking shanty town house down there, and and I'm I'm assuming that guy brought the cats down there as pets, and they probably can't figure out how to get the fuck out of the tunnel, so they're probably just stuck down there catching rats to eat or something like that. And the guy coming down there with cans of cat food, and but these poor animals were so dirty. But they had a, two TVs down there, and somehow he rigged one of them up to the fucking third rail somehow and we turned it on and it was actually tuned to cops in LA which I thought was very ironic that we're in a subway tunnel in New York City committing a crime and we turn on the TV and there's a show about cops on the other side of the country in LA but um it uh yeah it was some crazy shit you know, I, you know, you're talking about back then versus now too. I don't know how much of that stuff really exists now. Like the, you know, the the, the tunnel people and all that. You know, you're talking about 72nd and Riverside too. The the Freedom Tunnel. There used to be all kinds of encampments all it's up and down crazy. there. It's crazy. I can't even imagine. Like I was reading, uh, I was reading uh, this book, A Hardcore Life of My Own, and in it they have uh, photos of uh, of the old LES, and it's like irrecognizable like you can see a photo of let's say like main street in queens uh then and now and you can kind of there's like that same street still exists like you can kind of see you right, know right 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 you see a photo of, of alphabet city then and now it's like yeah dude, it looks like it's straight up like a, a war-torn yeah. country it looks yeah. like they just like i said it looks like someone took a bomb and threw it and it's just crazy that it it like relatively has not been a long time it has not been a long time like uh from then until now. Well, I and mean, look at it like the difference now is absolutely crazy. Buildings pop up in in the LES like it's Well, I I mean I freak out about that all the time. I mean, I used to live in Williamsburg 94 and how what I remember it from then versus now, it's just like it's not even the fucking same place like you said. I walk around corners and it's like this doesn't even fucking look like the same streets unrecognizable in photos and you know same with riverside park it stops and then all the way down on the west side was just like fucking shit Mm -hmm. you know now it's like oh we got landscaping companies planting bushes and stuff and um it, it 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 uh it's yeah it's crazy how much time changes these things yeah when we visited um Ket's museum of graffiti in florida 
all the pictures of Martha Cooper that she took of like the black and white pictures of all the kids playing around on broken down cars yeah. with no windows, playing games that they made up out of like I don't know, like scrap material. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's like a life, but it's crazy to see the difference. You know, like how people take a, a picture and they put it. They're standing in the same street. You know, right, right, I mean? right, like right, side right, by right. side. Yeah. It's like unrecognizable. You know. And like he said, it wasn't even that long ago, which is even more bugged out, how change can happen so quickly with, like, willpower and money or whatever, you know? Well, going back to what, you know, the beginning of this Giuliani and then um, and then Bloomberg after that is what did it. You know, one came in and wanted to put everybody through the system and the other wanted to invite big business into the city and have Starbucks on every corner and 7-Eleven. Fucking a 7-Eleven in fucking New York City? What's wrong with the fucking corner bottega, you know, really? And uh, it's, that's kind of what did it. And I mean, I guess they wanted to invite, like, you know, bring money into the city. But in the end, it cost the city, like, its homegrown flavor. So. Yeah, I guess it's, it's going to just really change, especially as uh, the years go on. It's going to change, like, the essence of what is, like, what is New York's homegrown flavor. I'm, I'm afraid that... uh I don't know you're going to say afraid, like it really won't really like make the most big difference in my life. But like, you know, when you look at like a, like a, like a Boston, which does have its own culture or like a, or like a Chicago or like a Miami, they do have their own, I guess. Um, but New York is definitely something that like you come here, you go to like specifically like LES, you take the trains, you walk around and yeah. you feel like a, this is very unique to New York. Like this is not like um most other cities like there's a specific uh, feel you get there's a specific like uh culture and like something that in my experience you just like feel and if it all becomes like one giant financial district of a bunch of glass buildings and 7-elevens on the first floor of them and it's just a carbon copy of every other city's financial district it's like well damn bro like what is it you know what is anything at that point i don't know how to like it, it really get across what i'm trying to say but it's like you take away everything that made this unique and made people want to come here and made uh brought about like so much so much art and so much culture and so much like uh subcultures and so much like and you just take it away you take it away for um for what for for like for money yes for uh, like further development so more people can live here uh so the city becomes like safer um which is like yeah city becoming safer is definitely like a good thing in a lot of ways you know i, I wouldn't want to live in, in a place where like i'm afraid to wear uh, all white nikes because i think so, like if i go wearing all white nikes i have to be ready to stab someone like i wouldn't want to experience that i wouldn't want to like we see these martha cooper photos of like all those kids straight up like mad skinny from malnutrition and like playing with like shards of metal and it's like wow that's an amazing photo yeah, but would you want to live there? Would you want your niece to be living in a place like that? And I wouldn't. Um, so it's like, I don't know. Like, what what do we... I guess, like, what I've always thought of is, like, it'd be sick if there was a middle ground. Like, we keep the bodegas. We keep... Uh, like, there's no 7-Elevens, no, like, mainstream, like, uh, taking over and making it a carbon copy of every other financial district. But also, we don't have, like, malnourished kids playing with shards of glass on every corner and, like, getting attacked for... Because we're wearing a certain brand, you know what I mean? That's just like two extremes in my opinion. Yeah, it, I think things kind of move around though as, as one part of the city cleans up, another kind of 
falls off and you know the LES is probably never ever going to be the LES it was in the 80s or 90s ever again but I'm sure there's some other part of the city somewhere that's falling apart right now uh it, you know it all it all comes down to money people want to you know they want to feel safe they want to build their buildings they want to have the yuppies move in and pay higher rent and push out the other people it it's you know it it's all done at the cost of uh homegrown flavor you know it's it's You know, I, I don't think the people building their nice condominiums and, you know, I don't even think they understand what they're really doing to, like, a... The entirety? Yeah. Well, one thing that, that like, I uh, would like to do with this, with this platform, this podcast that we're on right now, is, like, a lot of these, um, a lot of the artists and, like, these scenes of the past... Uh, that still exist, but just like in a different way, they're getting pushed to the past. Like, uh, of course, people in the graffiti scene, people in the skateboarding scene, people in like hardcore punk scene, and they have respect for the past. And like, if you don't, like, you get uh, you get essentially sunned. Like, if you don't know what's up and all that stuff, so it, it breeds a culture of like having respect for the past. But a lot of it is left in the past, which I'm not saying that the past shouldn't be left alone, but it is. Like, I, I love having, uh, like, people like you on here or, like, people like Nov or people like Charlie, like, share their stories and share uh, their time period and all their thoughts and, like, how they've lived their lives because it shines a light on uh, something that I, like, has impacted my life so much that I just don't want it to be forgotten so easily. And um, I grew up uh, reading a lot of interviews. Whenever an interview would come out on, like, a on like 12 ounce or if I got like I would I would I had the, the subscription to Thrasher and I would read literally every line and I like would get influenced by it so much like there was a picture of like Lizard King front nose sliding down uh down like Hollywood High and he has like skull candies on yeah and like on the on like the and he's just doing the craziest front nose and like the like in the interview he's talking about how like he just got his tat he just got like a huge tattoo and the dude told like the tattoo artist told him like you know keep it fresh clean it put cream and he's just like you know classic like death wish fuck you um like i'm not doing that and i'm just gonna front nose down this and if i fall it's gonna get like wrecked wrecked. and he's wearing like these skull candy headphones that are not like you they're not good for skating and like like they're gonna like the i'm talking you know i know the photo you're talking about they're just gonna fall off like and I remember being young, younger, and I'm like, "That was so sick! I'm gonna get Skull Candies right now." <laughs> and like, I went to the skate shop. They had the they used to sell like Skull Candies at the skate shops, and yeah. I'm like, I got a pair of thing, and I'm like, I'm gonna go like Ollie of six there and pretend that I'm Lizard King, and it just like caused my my like my ripe young self so much joy. And aside from just skating, like all of, all these interviews and all of these things, like had such an impact on my life that I would like to, um, you know, like keep that tradition going. A lot of these interviews are like, they're done. Like, like there's not a culture. I feel like then there was a culture of these interviews. Right. Uh, you would read them on 12 ounce. You'd read them on like forums. You'd thrasher would come out or even online, like all these, all these things. Then because I swear to God, it's like because of Instagram specifically Instagram, like not just the internet, like Instagram specifically, all that's been uh, been like watered down, 
I think that it's cool that now that like podcasts are becoming more of a thing, it's so much more exciting, in my opinion, to hear someone speak on it. Right. And also like speak on it in depth. You can't speak like that in depth in like a written interview where some, someone's going to read a page like this. You yeah. know what I mean? And uh, there's like a culture, I guess, behind or like an unwritten rule almost behind like the podcast that you're going to just be like yourself. Whereas like some of the interviews would be like uh, very like, you know, they wouldn't answer the question, like especially with graffiti. Some of them would be like, Yo Hong, like what makes you want to write? And they'd be like, next question or yeah, some shit yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. It's like it makes me happy that like, like I said, people like you know, Charlie, like all these people like just give us the opportunity. Like, who are we essentially? Like nobodies. And give us the opportunity well, to like. I wouldn't say nobody's. You're doing something, so now you are somebody. Yeah, I th- mean, th- thanks like- to people like you. You know what I mean? Like, no one would give us a validation if it wasn't for like uh, someone like uh, like Ch coming and helping us out. Someone like Nov coming and helping us out. They'd be like, like if I was to hit up a random dude and be like, "Yo, want to come on the show that has like like no nobodies have been on it." Then I'm not gonna get a response. So I really, really appreciate the people who. Especially in the beginning, like when we had no followers or no nothing, helped us out because now kids around the world can listen to like people like you speak and like especially I like when they're from that past era because they have like wisdom gained throughout the ages because a lot of the times the interviews will be not very positively influential to like a 14, 13 year old who's going to read it and straight up like do exactly what it says. Like, they're going to do exactly what it says, start dressing like that dude, or, like, they want to recreate those stories. But then when you hear, like, a cat say, like, yeah, I did that. I, like, used to straight up carry a gun to paint. That was whack, and that was, like, straight up, like, low-key, like, almost ruined my life. Don't do it. yeah. It gives it, and, like, all these writers saying the same thing, it gives it, like, a different flavor. Like, if, when I, I feel like when I was way younger reading all these interviews, all of them were, like, essentially, like, do that, like drop out give up everything and like do this one thing and like give the finger to everything else you know what i'm saying well there's a positive and negative to everything in life and i think you always got to remember that you know some things good some things bad and some things are bad to turn good and some things that are good turn bad you know i don't know if that really made any sense (laughs) but you know i don't know if i conveyed what i was trying to say but You know, your opinions of things change over time. And time's like a real, time's a motherfucker. It it really, it can kind of play with your head at times. Like, um, seeing how much time has passed and seeing how much time you have left and and trying to put yourself back in a headspace you were 20 years ago and trying to project where your head is going to be 20 years in the future it's I think it's good to hear the people talk you know interviews like you know podcasts I think are going to be a nice um, time capsule you know uh you know, sometimes, I, I don't know if, uh, I, I like watching documentaries. I'm, I'm, I always like good stories, you know. I'm, I'm a sucker for a good story. And when I say a good story, you know, a true story. Like, oh shit, that really happened? No shit. Um, 
and this is going to probably sound a little corny, but do you know Ken Burns, who did, who does all those PBS documentaries? No, I don't. Okay. This is guy, Ken Burns, and he does all these kind of documentaries for PBS. He did a whole series on baseball that I watched two or three times and did something on the national parks and the Civil War. Anyway, he always breaks out like... He has people read letters that people wrote back then, just like describing, you know, some husband writing, you know, some guy in the Civil War is writing his wife back home about what he's seeing and everything like that. And I always go, what the fuck is going to happen in the future? Because there was all this information written down and exchanged in letters. Well, now it's like a phone call. You know, it's like, oh, you know, honey, I'm at war. Pick up the phone and talk to your wife. All that correspondence is, it's just gone. All the descriptive language, all the, you know, what they saw. And I've always been like, well, when you make a documentary 50 years in the future, where's the information coming from? Where's all, all, all the people speaking in their own voices coming from? Where's the... Where's the authentic voice? Not the, the voice of the person doing the documentary saying this is what I think or this is what I feel or this is my conclusion on this. Where's the authentic voice of the person or the event or the person that was at the event? Where is their voice talking? And, you know, if we got podcasts right now, as long as they're documented and, you know, put somewhere, you know, 50 years in the future, 100 years in the future, people are going to flip back through and now they're going to see people actually talking in their own words and in their own language and see all that. You know, I think there's a probably a gap there in, you know, pre-internet when it was maybe harder to have that, you know, People weren't writing letters as much. There wasn't that much. I don't think there's maybe a lot of first-person self-documentation. It's so crazy, like, how writing a letter is essentially like sending a text message. Like, say the text message and the letter are the same length. Um, It's like essentially you're doing the same thing, but a letter means so much more. Like, I remember... uh, like, uh, like, you know, it's like if you have, uh, like, issues with a girl, they, like, you don't want to have issues with. And, like, I don't think to my, like, if I'm trying to make a serious impact, I'm not going to be, like, the text is the way to go. Like, the letter is the way to go. And, like, even if someone, like, I remember my friend, he went to, like, the military of, of forever ago and he sends me, a, a, like, a letter. And, like, I read this shit. And, like, if you were to send me a text, even if it was the exact same thing, I don't know, it doesn't convey the same thing. Like, it took, like almost like more effort to write the letter even if it didn't like it feels like it did you read it and it's like a physical thing it's you see tactile. the paper you yeah. hold it you, 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 like you this have is it a in gift. your hand you, you open it up look at it you know fold it back you know put it away take it out again it's it's you know same thing as like Instagram Instagram looking at photos on Instagram is not the same as having those hard copies like imagine if that. like like for example um my uh like if someone if like my friend he he went to like he went to bookings for a few days and he thought he was going to actually get locked up and he wrote me like a letter while he was in there to send me and uh, but then he ended up like nothing like thankfully nothing happened and then I got to read it just for like the shits when he was out 
and like he like drew like a throwy in there like a straight and i'm like this is like i need to keep this because this is so ill or if someone were to send you like say uh you knew someone who you couldn't see very often and they send you like a piece of paper on the top they like taped uh, a photo that they actually took and it's like printed on it now yeah but they just taped it and then the bottom That'd be like something that you would never want to throw away. Yeah, Whereas a text, I, you will delete it in a second. Even if it has like the same image and the same words, you'll just delete it in a no, second. No, I, I hold on to a lot of stuff like that. I, I still have some, you know, old letters from friends, you know, girlfriends and otherwise. I still have postcards people sent me. I, you know, I hold on to a lot of that stuff. And it's just kind of something, there's something, you know, about holding that stuff actually in your hands and turning it over and you know looking at the back and seeing maybe where the corner is creased a little mm-hmm. bit or something like that just deciphering their handwriting it's not just like copy and pasted times new roman that everyone has yes. it has like their own style to it you know what i mean i actually someone was just telling me i was talking to my someone on instagram and they were telling me that like apparently the way the brain deciphers words is different when it's on paper and you're holding it than when it's on like a digital screen like hmm. the way that your memory holds on to it is totally different so because i was just wondering on like a printed books versus like uh like let's say like uh what's, what's that what's that shit called um uh, uh the tablet thing yeah, is yeah that what you're talking about yeah. the kindle or yeah the kindle like the kindle like how it's different if, if you read it it's just completely different if you actually have i it could never head. get into fucking using those things mm-hmm. i still gotta have a book i still gotta actually sit there and flip pages you know it it, it it doesn't feel like a book. It feels like I'm reading the internet. Yeah, it feels something. like I'm on my phone. Yeah. Which I am like what I'm trying to avoid if I'm trying to read on something. You know what I mean? Like even sometimes I'll read the news on my phone and I'm like, I'm literally reading right now and I'm taking in information, but I don't feel like I'm reading. I feel like I'm mindlessly lurking. Even if I'm reading. Yeah. Plus like if you're reading a Kindle like for hours, like you got the fucking... The glare and The stuff radiation like, yeah, 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 fucking... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> electromagnetic <laughs> waves like poisoning your mental but um i was gonna say like the the black books man that's when you guys were talking about documentation and like it having a certain like vibe to it when you go through old black books from like the 90s or i've I had the privilege of looking at some crazy shit and um like little quotes people would write and like yeah. it's like you said like a time capsule like in that moment that's what that person was like thinking and doing it's, it's pretty amazing, you know? You know some like, of that's, like, some really funny stuff, like song <laughs> lyrics and other random quotes. Like, Yo, what the fuck is that supposed to writers, mean? especially, like, all the drugs they're on when they're hitting that sometimes, like, the shit they'll write, like, no, you can't make it up, you know? It's, like, very unique. Yeah. Yeah, I've, 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 I've learned through some black books of just, like, my old friends, and, uh, like, uh, we'll just look at, like, a page they legitimately hit, like, seven, nine years ago, and they'll just write the most ridiculous thing in a bubble, and I'm like... What were you thinking when you wrote some shit like that? Or like, it's just funny and it's legit. It's like almost like cemented in time. Like it's not chiseled in a rock, but it's on this piece of paper and it will stay there as long as I don't burn this thing. And I'm going to be able to look at it. Like any feeling that I wrote down at that moment, I'll be able to look at it and be like, that's crazy because I felt that then. And like maybe I don't even feel oh, some of the same now. I go back and look through some black books and drawing books from 20 some odd years ago or more, 25 years ago the fuck was i thinking you know just you know song lyrics or yeah i'm upset or mad about something or i don't know it's almost like you like you're clowning yourself sometimes like i i I look through like uh this old black book uh from when i was like 12 
and I like wrote down the thing and like maybe I wrote like I, I did whatever and then I wrote down like a little message and it was something along the lines of like I came here to do what I have to do <laughs> if you know what I mean or some yeah, shit like yeah. that I'm like yo I was like 12 years old like uh, what the like who did I think that no, I was I had, or like what was I thinking you know I had what I mean? one um I was looking at like from when I was 18 like when I was when I had my first love and like we broke up <laughs> I wrote some shit it was like Hold, I wish I knew exactly because it, it like rhymed and everything. It was so fresh. Um, it was like holding on to you was harder than holding on to the third rail or some shit like that. It's just like so funny. And now I don't feel that at all. You know, it's just like that moment of time was that. You, know? you look at a, like an 11 year old's or 12 year old's uh, black book and it'll be like, boom, fuck the government. Or some yeah, shit yeah. Like that. I still write it's some just crazy hilarious. shit. It's but, just hilarious. Yeah. Like, what, like, do you, what do you know at 12 about you, the government? Yeah, we were talking to that dude, Andrew Wilson, uh, a few days ago, and he was saying how, like, pre-18, he had no conscious thoughts. So it's like... Autopilot. So yeah, he was on, like, autopilot. Like, he can't remember, like, anything he actually, like... Like, his conscious thoughts before them were just nothing. And, like, I kind of feel that sometimes. And it's like... But then you you can look at what your conscious thoughts were. And the conscious thoughts at 14 years old was like, fuck the NSA or some shit like that. It's, it's so funny, you know, but, um, yo, man, it was, uh, it was an honor.